0: ahead and turn to Luke chapter 4 we're gonna get started there and I know there's some people I'm gonna lighten it up a little bit God is the God of impossibilities there's probably some impossible things that you're facing right now I just I'm gonna draw on the whiteboard I love this and you know I'm the master of drawing like circles so I just want to let you know that I'm drawing these two circles here and I'll connect them a little later And I want to let you in on where we are, where I am, where even my family is, and I truly believe where this entire community is, is we're right here. We're not back here, and we're definitely not over here. I believe we're somewhere right around here. And to use the best phrase for this is I, we, us, you possibly, are not there yet. Can you say amen to that? I'm not there yet. But I know that I have left. I know that I have left where I used to be, but I am not there yet. See, God is a a, a, God laughs more than what we give him credit. God has a sense of humor. You go back and look and it says in the very beginning, he said he created you in his own image. You remember the last time you'd ever laughed hysterically? probably for some in this room, it's been a long time, then you need to come hang out at my house a little bit and you can laugh at us. But you remember last time you laughed hysterically? And the best kind of laughing is the laughing that you're not supposed to be laughing, like at a funeral. You ever gotten like cracked up at a funeral? Or at a church service like this? Back in our early days when we were pastoring this little church, we got invited to the church up the street. And it was only like 30 people in there, and they had wooden benches. And Grady, who's now 16, he was probably five or six at the time, he passed gas. I hate that. I hate talking about it. But he passed gas, and it rattled off of those wooden pews like a 800-pound man. It came from a demon And we, again, are the pastors from the church down the street that were invited to this church, and we weren't supposed to be laughing, and we couldn't stop. That's the best kind of laughter. Do you know who gave you that enjoyment? Who created you to laugh like that? God. God has a sense of humor. Sometimes we're so stiff, and I know the world around us and circumstances... And all this stuff presses in on us. But God says, hey, child, relax. And I want to say that to you today. I don't know what you're facing. Let me ask you this This will be the first question that we ask this morning. Why are you so stressed? Why are you so burdened by something? Why does that burden continue to wake you up in the mornings? What's going to happen on the other side of that burden? Why do you feel that way? So those are just questions that we can ask ourselves. Because we eventually ask enough questions, we get to the core. And we realize, just like me, that I am afraid of being uncomfortable. That's not for this morning. That's for a whole other class that we'll be teaching probably this fall. But God is hilarious sometimes. My son's phone got messed up. He uh, said, Daddy, I need a new phone. I'm going to camp. I said, dude, you don't need a phone at camp. You need your Bible. I didn't say that, did I? But I did say, you don't need your phone at camp. We took a two-mile walk yesterday evening, and the whole time we said, dude, you don't need your phone. You're going to camp. You don't need it. You don't need your phone. You're not going to get a phone. But you said you may. I said, no, we'll see. And we'll see to a child means no. It means I just don't want to tell you no yet. So we got back to the house, and there's a cul-de-sac where we stay. And I said, i tell you what. I'm a gambler at heart. That's my old flesh. I used to gamble. I said, I'll tell you what. I said, you shoot this shot from way over there at that other garage, and if you make it, We'll go buy you a phone. There's no way he's gonna make this shot. It's getting dark. It's from at least here to the corner over there. I said, if you make it, we'll go get you a phone. He said, all right. What I didn't realize is I should have put something, if you miss it, you need to rub my feet. So he said, all right, he takes it, and would you believe, here's God has a sense of humor, nothing but net. So we're going to Walmart this afternoon, and we're getting him a track phone. (laughs) I didn't tell him I was getting him anything else. He's going to have 13 minutes on it. No texting. He'll Snapchat that away in about three seconds. Seriously, guys, it's 10 o'clock. Let's get started, right? I'm going to teach from the Bible. But I just needed to let you know, man, like, like, just breathe. Okay. God is good. He's actually better than what we've ever thought. And we're going to ask ourselves a lot of questions. We're going to leave this thing probably a lot of open ends today. Luke chapter four. Luke chapter four, verse one. I'm going to read a few and we'll stop and talk and Need to notice this. If you don't have your Bible, it's on the screen because I need you to notice this and I need you to ask yourself what is going on here? What does this mean to me? Why does this offend me? Why does this confuse me? Why have I never wanted to look at this before? I ask a plethora of questions. Jesus. Full of the Holy Spirit. Returned from the Jordan. And at the Jordan where he was, he was just baptized in the Jordan River. He was then lifted out of the water and the Holy Spirit from heaven, from God, descends on Jesus, right? And they say that it came in the form of a dove descending upon Jesus, filling Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit. So I think that's a big deal because if Jesus needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you and I do too, and you don't need me to stand up here and pour it into you. You need to leave this place and ask yourself throughout the week with a pen and a piece of paper asking the question, God, what does it mean for me to be filled with the Holy Spirit? It was so important, Jesus getting ready to start his three-year ministry, there is recollection of the very moment that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River where he was just baptized and was led by the same Holy Spirit into the desert. Now, In church world, me even being one of the culprits, because this is the way that I've wanted it translated in my mind, the way I've wanted it actually played out in my life is that I am God's child. I am chosen. I am called. I am full of the Holy Spirit where we have somehow gotten astray is that when we have all of those things checked off, child of God, chosen, called, lover of Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, I am expecting tomorrow for myself, my family, this church, this community to be driven into Easy Street where all of my needs And even my wants are at my beck and call. I want smoothness, God, because I'm your child full of the Holy Spirit. I want ease. I want recognition as a child of God. I want to make my enemies my footstool. I want you, God, to make my paths straight. I want the uneven ground to be leveled so that my journey with you is going to be one that is smooth and marked by many, many victories along the way. You see, that's the Christianity that I'm guilty of even talking to you guys about. Love Jesus. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then let's just get ready for what comes next. And we'll have parades and confetti. And we'll share testimonies of victory and healings all along the way. But what I hear here is that Jesus, the Son of God, who was there helping God create the very world that you and I live in today. Jesus is God. Jesus, the Son of God, living here on this earth, full of the Holy Spirit, was led by the hand by the Holy Spirit into the desert. And if that's not bad enough, You see, if we were writing this story, we would say that Jesus God, the Son of God, would have been led by the Holy Spirit to some beautiful throne room where he would have had a beautiful crown of gold placed upon his head and robe put over him, and everything was glorious. That's how you and I would have written the book. But it says that God, Jesus, was led into the desert by the Holy Spirit. And it gets worse. Look at verse 2, where for 40 days, he was tempted by the devil. He was led into the desert by God, the Holy Spirit, to be tempted by Satan. And some of you may think this is the worst part of it. He ate nothing during those days. It says at the end of them, he was hungry. And so I read this, I haven't spoken in in a month. I've been hanging with my family, going through a beautiful season, even though to the flesh and to the world, it doesn't look like it. But let me just tell you, it's been a season where it has been beautiful and we're learning so much. And I've been studying, I've been reading this and I see this and I start to ask questions. The first question, and I'm going to go real fast through this because I'm going to give you my answer. You can go and discover your own answer this week if you want to. Josh, thank you for like the three minutes of quietness here today. Probably for me, listen, unless I'm intentional this week, I will not, will not have another little moment like that. And for many of us in here, we're going to hit the ground running after this service, and we won't stop until we come back here next week. So thank you for the pause. But I'm not going to give you your answer. God and you sometime this week can discover that answer. Because I asked the question, why in the world does God, Jesus, the Son of God, full of the Holy Spirit, need to be tempted? So I just wrote my answers down. And I wrote them in my Bible. I don't know if anybody writes in their Bible. I write in mine. And I wrote this answer, just me and you having a conversation here. I said that he was tempted so to know who the Father, God, to know his nature. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God the Father. He was tempted so that God could reveal his true nature, God's nature to his Son. I wrote here, he, he did that to prove who the Holy Spirit was that was now feeling Jesus, that was now in Jesus. And and the last thing I just hear was to show Jesus who he now is. Like, hey, Jesus, I wanna show you who you are now that you are full of the Holy Spirit. And I read this and I think of this and I ask myself this question, why if Jesus had to be led by the Holy Spirit into a desert season. Why then do I think that I should never be led by God the Holy Spirit into anything that disrupts my comfort? Could I possibly be Have been for 13 years looking at all of this stuff in the wrong way. I mean, all the stuff that's in front of me presently. I'm talking about like currently in front of you as you sit here in church this morning. Could I be looking at all of the stuff? The heartaches. And the pains. And the failures. And the list could go on for months. Could I be looking at those things? In the wrong way. Could it be possible that what the enemy is wanting to use to destroy me is actually my loving Father, God, wanting to use the very same things but to reveal who he is and just how strong I can be. So what the enemy is wanting to use to destroy you could actually be what God is using to reveal his nature and to strengthen you. couple of quick things that before we go further. If we're going to look at it this way today, we got to remember something. We have to understand God. It is not God that is doing the tempting. Please hear me. Don't actually, just don't hear me. Let's flip a couple passages of scriptures. Save your spot there in Luke chapter 4, and let's go to James chapter 1. Let's go to James chapter 1. Right after Hebrews, I always struggle going to James, those Timothys and the Thessalonians and all they they mess me up. James chapter one. look at this, verse 13, "When tempted, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He tempt anyone. We good? So God's not out to trip you up. God is not throwing things at you, causing heartache and pain. That is not God, the God that we serve here. I know that some people have been told that these natural disasters and these sicknesses and these untimely deaths, that's God. No, they're lying to you. That is not God. Do we live in a fallen world? Yes. Do sickness and disease exist? Yes but it is not god causing those to be in our life some of those lies have been presented to you and what i'm saying to you today is you need to go ask yourself why do you believe that and if you read anything in the scripture today it is not god who is doing the tempting because he does not tempt anyone and you can read all the rest of that passage is phenomenal all the way down through like verse 15 it's phenomenal I love this, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Some of you need to hear this right now. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, listen to this. It says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And I could preach the entire hour right there on that verse because what the enemy is doing to so many of us is he is isolating us filling us with shame because we think we're the only ones in the Christian culture that we live in that struggle. You are not alone. The enemy has put a lid on you and he wants you to suppress and hide in darkness what is causing the shame in your life. You have probably made some bad choices along the way. And let me just say, Some of your choices have caused pain in your life. Some of the choices in your life have hurt other people. But let me tell you, what the enemy is wanting to suppress and keep in darkness, God the loving Father is saying, No, it's time that we shed some light on it to set you free from what the enemy is trying to kill you with. You're not alone. That verse, and I didn't mean to get so excited, but no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. I could preach another hour on that, and I'm just going to say this. Listen, if you read that, that God does not tempt, but he also is not going to allow the enemy to tempt you. More than what you are able to bear. See, we've said Satan is so powerful. No, he is so limited in his power. God has control over what even the enemy is going to bring your way. He, God, the Father, is in ultimate power. All these things you're asking, well, then why does God even allow them to come our way? When's the last time you learned anything about who you are in the good times? Hey guys, God created us. He knows us. He knows we're human. And he knows that it's only going to be known to us that the stove is hot after we touch it. This stuff that is in front of you currently, that is trying to destroy you, that you're asking why is it there, that is hurting you and causing pain, God knows that it is there from the enemy to destroy you. But God is saying, no, 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 enemy, watch this. Watch what I'm getting ready to do with my child, what you brought to destroy him. I'm going to strengthen him, and he is going to love me because he's going to know more about my nature than you ever imagined. That's what it is. God is faithful, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, you will also, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Mm. So many times I've preached under the, the influence of this false assumption. This is not from the Lord. So I want to correct it here today. I've preached, and the kingdom of God is always soaring. The kingdom of God is at perfect peace. It's paradise. Our spirit resides with Jesus. Our spirit is at peace. And for that, I've thought that many times what is going to happen in my life and many of your lives was that even though, remember the ups and downs of life, the trials, the pains, the heartache, the terrible decisions, the even sins, that I wanted to think that God, Holy Spirit, Jesus, was just going to allow me to soar over that in the natural realm here on earth that we live. Can you see that? And I think a lot of us have been hurt by God because this is the thought that we would have. That even though this stuff is going on and it hurts and it scares us and it breaks us, that God is just going to rise us, raise us up aloof to all of the stuff. And I'm just here today to tell you, this is not the illustration of how God works in our life. Even though I'm a son of God filled with the Holy Spirit and a lover of Jesus. This is what our life looks like. We walk through the valleys and we walk through the storms and we walk through the fires I have to go way back to the Old Testament to read you a passage of Scripture about this. And it's in Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. Hey, God, teach us. It says, Isaiah 43 too, this is when you pass through the waters... wish it said when you hover above the waters. No, there was only one who has hovered above the waters. And you can go back to the first part of Genesis and find that it was God hovering above everything. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. Mm, I love this one. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. So is it possible that instead of running away from the fire, because that's what we humans do, We learned that the stove is hot only once. I don't touch it again. I stay away from the fire. Could it be that as the kingdom invades the space, as the kingdom invades your home and your mental state, is it possible that God is saying to us, Run towards the fire. Because when you go through it, you won't be burned. And when you go through it, you're going to learn who I am. I'm going to reveal my nature to you in ways that you would have never thought. And is it possible we could run through the fire and learn about just how strong we actually are? You see, we don't know God's nature, and we don't know how strong we are because we've been running away from the rivers and the fires. It's because the enemy is wanting to keep the lid on you, suppressing it down and keeping it in darkness. The struggle, the pain, the hurt, the dissatisfaction, the anger, the whatever, that the world is saying you will be humiliated if that comes out. God is saying, no, let's let the lid off and shed light. Let's run to the fire. And the river's gonna be raging, but when you walk through it, it's not gonna overtake you. Yeah, the fire's hot, but when you walk through it, you're not gonna get burned. Come on. It happened to Jesus. He's tempted. He was tested. And again, I'm not a Greek scholar. We leave all that up to Pastor Brent. But in studying this, and I didn't get it from a like deep study. I have a Passion Translation Bible that, that I have. It has great study notes in it. And if you have one, you can look at it. And this is where I got it from. That, that power where it says that he was tempted, he was tested by the enemy. It actually means that it was a test of sinister nature. It was evil. Sinister. It was dark. I mean, it's dirty, out for blood and death. That part's not in there. I made that up. But that's what it is. It was sinister in nature. The enemy wants to destroy evil, nasty, hurt. God's saying, no, watch this. Let's walk towards the fire. Let's go into this desert season by the Holy Spirit leading us, and I'm going to show you my nature, and I'm going to show you how strong you are. It's the first part of this. Lord, help us to understand what it is you're trying to teach us. Because I think we've been looking to the wrong things. And I think we've been looking at the things that are currently in front of us the wrong way. I have a pretty long paragraph that I want to read to you. I put it here on the screen. This this, is just something the Lord said to me and we'll unpack this in just a few minutes about the greatest tension in your life. And I'll just read it the best I can. It's behind me. It's this quote that the Lord gave me this week. He said, Scott, the greatest tension in life is brought about by one of the greatest disappointments in life. Which is, when you realize you have been living life as if God is not enough for you. You see, I can't make you get to that place. I can't make you be honest with yourself. I can't do anything for you. What I'm learning in the season of life that our family is in, I'm in control of very little. Very little. So I have no tension, no even worries in my life this very second about you getting what I'm getting ready to say. I cannot make you get this. And for many years in my life, I have really struggled, beat myself up, and cost myself a lot of beautiful, joyful moments with a lot of beautiful people because of the enemy lying to me and telling me, that no matter how good I do up here, I will always fail you. That I will not be able to get you to understand this. It is not my responsibility for God to open you up and reveal this to you. It is God's responsibility to feed the hungry. And if you are at a place where you need to go either closer to God or give up on Him altogether, I think that is a great starting point. Because I have said many times over the season that we are in, hey God, you're going to have to prove something to me. Because I'm not getting it. And so He says this to me that the greatest tension in life is when that moment hits us that we realize that we have been living our Christian life as if God is not enough. You know what he did when I got to that place and could admit it? He turned up the intensity of his love. Most people, and we've preached it, and our churches have said it, that if that ever comes about, that God is going to turn up his wrath, that's not the God that we serve. He goes on and he tells me, he says, you are now on a never-ending pursuit trying to feel the primary need in your life, me, God. You're trying to feel the primary need in your life with a secondary or substandard object or element. And that's the pursuit that most people are on. Is we are grabbing for this, we're wanting that because we know in our heart of hearts, God really isn't enough. And so there must be something else out there for me to grab a hold of to fill the primary void in my life with. And that's why we have so much disaster in our lives. Because at best these secondary and substandard elements and objects are going to fill us for a very temporary moment. And the sick part of the enemy working on what we actually know is that he knows that this much of the temporary fix is going to require this much next time, and then this much next time, and then this much next time, until you and I have nothing else to run to. And we have one of two options. Is we die that way or God graciously allows us to come back to him who is the primary filler of every one of your voids. You see, Satan takes Jesus into the desert and he says, Hey, Jesus, I know you're hungry. Why don't you turn this stone to bread? Tons of beautiful messages and great commentaries. But you know what the Lord told me that is? He said that is us trying to fulfill our fleshly human desires apart from God. Sounds a lot like sin, doesn't it? Satan was trying to get Jesus to act and fulfill apart from God. And this second part, I won't even get to the third part of Jesus' trip into the desert, but it's the second part. Look at this, verse 5, Luke 4. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world And he said to him, I'll give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me. And I can give it to anyone I want. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus, all of this will be yours. And it will fill all of your voids. And I know this is Jesus and Satan in Luke here. But let's just put ourselves into this story. The enemy is coming in here to you and he is saying, don't actually, don't necessarily worship me, Satan. I know that in the South, if you say you worship Satan, you're going to probably be banished. And so what he has to do is he has to come in here because his motives are sinister. And he says, no, don't worship me, Satan, but I want you to worship this. And for me, for me. Satan has come in here and he said, I need you to worship comfort. I need you to worship comfort. Because, God, I know your nature. You've revealed it to me over and over again. Satan's talking. I know you love comfort. And so worship comfort. Lie, cheat, and steal. Do whatever it takes to worship comfort. It sounds a little different, doesn't it, than worship me, Satan, and you can have all of this. Scott, you worship comfort, and you can have all this. I just asked the question to Scott. why, Why do I need comfort? I don't know. I haven't gotten there yet, but I know I've left. You have to ask the question. What are you worshiping? What do you want to fill all those voids Satan said Jesus you can have all this what are you worshiping I love this quote from Jim Carrey some of you guys probably maybe heard of his movies watched them Jim Carrey said this I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it is not the answer. That's so good. What we've been after is of no value. What we've been after is of no eternal effect. It has nothing to offer us. But a fleeting moment of pleasure. So I just say this and wrapping it up. Could what we need. Be the most difficult, hard, harmful, hurtful, painful mistake that is presently right in front of you. Could that be the thing that God is wanting to use? To reveal his true nature to you and to actually show you how strong in Christ you are. God help us. God help us ask the right questions. God help us to run towards the fire. God help us to roll right through the river. God, help us. And my prayer for our community is that we will be a community that is not afraid of going to places. I want to say, I haven't done the statistics, but a large majority of people never go because they are afraid of what God may reveal to them. I think there's a couple of options for us as we leave and we go through this week. This is on you.